My wife and I are going to preach together this morning. Have we ever done this, babe? I think one other time. Maybe one other time. So logistically, if it doesn't work out well, it's my fault. And uh, we're figuring it out. We've both preached quite a few times, but um, it's going to be a little different. I'm going to, Laura's going to pray, right? <laughs> sure. Is that what we're going to do? Um, I was moved this morning by the line, in the, uh, the line in the song, being throned upon the praises of a thousand generations. And I thought, gosh, we are like a tiny part of a really big story that started a long time before us and will continue until the Lord's return. We're like, we're a tiny part in it. And what a privilege to be here worshiping the same God. Most of the people that built this building are no longer even in this building. But we're still coming. And, and someday none of us will be in here. We will be with the Lord. But there will be an entirely new generation sitting in here worshiping him. Worshiping the God that needs to be enthroned upon a thousand generations. Is enthroned on a thousand generations. So God that's enthroned on a thousand generations. We bow before you today. And we honor you. I'm so honored to be adopted into your kingdom. I'm in awe that this gospel has been preached to here. And so many of us have heard it and been saved by it. And they will continue to. Thank you, God, that you are not done with your work. That you are the head of your church. Thank you that you are the alpha. But you're also the omega. You will finish everything that you've begun. And then you will stand on that day. And it will be complete. Thank you, God, that you are the author, you're the perfecter, you're the finisher of every single thing you started 6,000 or however many thousand years ago. Thank you, Father. We rejoice in that, and we enthrone you this morning. We, we worship you. We honor you. We bow before you. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray that not one person in here will not encounter you this morning. I, I pray from the smallest one in here, even the babies in the womb this morning, to the oldest individual sitting in here, we will freshly encounter the living God who is worthy of all our praises. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're bored the next 15 minutes, you have her to look forward to, and... Um, we are, we're going to talk this morning about um, how we believe the Lord is leading us um, to a calling to plant churches, or a church, um, I should say, in the town that we live in, in Jordan, about 20 minutes, 20 miles or so south of here. Um, but before we get to that, um, Laura and I have had some time just to reflect on what she prayed and even what we sang in a couple of songs this morning reflects my opening thoughts, which are simply that it's... It's been good for me as a young man to come into a, a really well-established and old church and serve in it because I think it, it helps a young man realize that all the, any good or any bad that I contributed uh, isn't the whole story. You can't take too much credit or too much blame. There's a lot more to Bethany Church than, than the few years that I've been part, part of it. And realizing that helps you then step back and say, wow, I'm not just part of a church that's 75 years old. I'm part of a church that's 2,000 years old that Jesus has been aware of and working with and working from uh, very intentionally and very um, determinedly. And, and, and when, you, when you step back in awe of 75 years and recognize the privilege and the value of being part of something well-established that's established in the right things, <laughs> and it gives you a sense of awe, and then you step back into 2,000 years, awe is probably not the right word. I'm not sure how to go up from awe, but it needs to go up a lot. A lot of awe. <laughs> awesome, super awesome to recognize, wow, we're part of God's work for the last 2,000 years, and that's true of all of us in the church. I have spent all but three of my adult 
years of my life at Bethany. Uh, I could say 17 years, or, uh, but, but all but three adult years of my life I've spent in some capacity uh, part, as part of this community. Um, and you can tell from my beard that there's more than a few years. They're starting to pile up. I'm trying to go for this no-shave, no-ever look um, now, not just for the month. I was worried that the microphone wouldn't pick up my voice in the midst of all of this, but it seems to be working just fine. Spent 17 years, all but three of my adult years of my life have been here. Bethany, my wife, and I met here. We were students at the school. We got married here. We've served as youth pastors on three different occasions in this church. Um, I've been the associate pastor at this church. I served at the College of, of Missions, now Bethany Global University, for three years. Um, we've, we've been attenders for the last three years. We've had six children dedicated here. Uh, this, this, to, to say it's our home is an understatement. It really is. Um, and, and it's been a privilege to be part of and to receive from this church as well as to, to give in the ways that we've been able to. And, and through those years, um, there, you know, sometimes it takes looking back and reflecting to see what God's saying, what he's doing. And I think 20 years of adulthood largely here has given us a chance to see kind of the agenda. Because if you would have asked me 15 years ago, what, what are you going to be doing in the next couple of years? I would say, I want to plant churches. That would have been my answer. I want to plant them here. I want to plant them there. I want to plant them everywhere. Green eggs and ham, trains, foxes, whatever is involved. Um, that's what I wanted to do. It was in my heart. And I wanted to do it now because I'm kind of a now guy, if you know me. I just like to get it done. I mean, if, if it's clear what needs to be done, let's just get on it. Pitter-patter. It's, uh, it's, time to, it's time to move. And so that's, that's just my personality. And so many times, there's been, a, for me, just a churning to say, yeah, it's time to go do something new. And either circumstantially or just sovereignly, there's been reasons to pause. And, and, and I'm grateful for all of those and could go on for a long time about that. But where it points to now is um, six years ago, we moved into a zip code of a town called Jordan, a uh, little bit south of here, like I said, 20 miles or so. It's a town of six, 7,000 people. We live out in the country. We weren't super connected to the community, but Jordan was on our radar because 17, uh, 17, 16 years ago, when we first started serving as youth pastors here at this church, we had got a call from somebody we knew who had had a ministry in the town of Jordan, which at that time I doubt we'd ever even heard of. And, and he said, our ministry's folding up for various reasons, but we've got this group of kids that we've been trying to disciple, and we're wondering if we could drive them up to your youth group on Wednesday nights. So we said yes. So we got these kids showing up, which over the course of the next three to four to five years turned into uh, God giving us a bus that we painted an awesome color purple. Angie Welmers, thank you for your years of service. She was Angie Pertha back then, and I have to think about what her last name is still to this day because I've referred to as Pertha for, uh, for many years. Um, and, and we would bring specifically from this town of Jordan through a few family connections here at the church, but also through this ministry and the kids who showed up that first week, uh, we'd bring 40-plus students up from, from Jordan every week. And um, a lot of them had no interest in being here. They just had a disinterest in being at home. And one of the greatest tests of your leadership, if you think you have a leadership gift, is to lead people who don't like you and don't want to hear what you have to say. And so I feel like I grew more in those years in my leadership than probably at any other time in my life. 
And I think I was prepared for parenting because sometimes that dynamic exists in your own house. There's still uh, graffiti that we have never been able to fully remove somewhere <laughs> in this building. I don't even want to say where it is. But every time I see it, I just go, oh, the Jordan kids did that 20 years ago. They sure ago. did. We sanded, we sanded, and we painted. But yeah, we there's did. remnant. But, but that was our... Con- Thank you, Laura. You're free to interject anytime you want. Um, <laughs> um, it was... It was those 40 kids connected us to this town in an odd way. We, we didn't geographically have any sense of burden or calling to this town particularly at that time, but through these relationships that we built and years of investing in kids, some of which eventually became interested in what we had to say and started to like us, um, it meant something. I still run into these kids. They're not kids anymore. They're 30-some years old and have many kids of their own. I still run into some of them sometimes and... And we put our heart and soul into, into these lives the best we could at that time, discipling them. So we got connected to this town back then. And through a long series of years and years and years of uh, situations and circumstances that we do not have any time to talk about right now, we moved there. And it wasn't because of some strategy to say, okay, now it's time to plant a church. It's because I needed a big building to put some stuff in, and that's where I found one. So, um, so we lived there. We've gotten integrated into the community, and, and again, we'll have more time maybe during the question and answer if you're intrigued to talk about some of the details as to how we led there. But Jordan needs a strong church. Um, it's an interesting town, um, six to 7,000 people in it. Um, there's, a, there's a notable lack of established evangelical church in this town. Um, maybe that's the best way I can say it right now. Um, and, and we feel like it's the, the Lord's beginning to move a lot of pieces besides us. Um, it, it's, there's things we're hearing from lots of different streams that, that perhaps the Lord is putting his finger there and saying, now it's time to, to do something in addition to what's there, to strengthen what's there, to add to what's there. So I want to look at Matthew 16. I'm going to take a few minutes just to encourage us as to the confidence we can and should have in the work of planting local churches. Matthew 16, Peter was asked by Jesus, who do you say that I am? Peter gives the right answer. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies to him and says, and on this rock, not speaking to Peter, the individual, or his apparent lineage about a pope, this is not what Jesus intended there, but he said, on this rock, on the truth, on the revelation that I am, in fact, the Christ, the son of the living God, on that truth, I'm going to build my church, Peter. And the gates of Hades won't even prevail against it. Um, the church is, is unique in that you, it'll never fail. <laughs> there will always be a, a church. If you had the confidence in the church, the confidence you should have in the church, if you could find that confidence in some stock out there, you would become a wealthy person. Because if you knew this company cannot fail, even hell could come against it, and it'll never, it'll never fail. You would, you would invest, and you would profit. That's the confidence we have in the church. Why? Because Jesus' words are true. I will build my church. It's never going away. It's not going to fail. It's not going to f- flounder so badly that it can't even be recognized. It'll always be strong. It's always going to be growing even. And that looks different ways in different places, but it's the confidence we have in the church because of Jesus' own words. I want to invest my life in things that are the right things. I've heard people contrast. You can, 
It's, it's better to do the right thing than to do things right, and I agree with that statement in the context of this conversation. I would rather give an average effort to the church than, a, than an excellent effort to something less than the church. Ideally, we give an excellent effort to the church, but it, it, it's better to actually do, do the right thing than it is to do things right, because doing the things right, you might be doing the wrong things and none of it's going to matter. Everything you ever invest into the church will always matter. You can't go wrong. It's a solid investment. If you give one hour of the next year of your life to the local church in genuine service to Jesus, he'll remember it for eternity. You did the right thing. (laughs) If you can find two hours, all the better. But go for it. You can't go wrong giving yourself to God's church because it matters that much to him. On this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus said, I. I think it's important for us to recognize his ownership, his care for, his leadership over the church. No church is anybody's church but Jesus' church. If it's the church, it's Jesus' church. I will build my church. He's the one who is worthy. Um, It's central. The church needs to be centrally focused on Jesus. To whatever degree the church moves away from just being centered on Jesus, to just meeting people's needs, to whatever trendy social movement there is of the day. All of that is an aberration from what the church is intended to be and called to be. I will build my church. It needs to be centered on Jesus, and it's our hope that Bethany continues to be. Bethany is such a great example of that, centered on Jesus. There's so much about Bethany that I'm sure that as the Lord leads us into church planning will be reproduced, and, um, and we're grateful for our time here for that. He said, I will build Jesus is a builder. We know Jesus as a young man was a carpenter. He learned the trade of building things. And perhaps we think that he shifted his vocation, uh, you know, at 30 years old. And, and rightly we think that. But in, in a lot of ways, when we consider the fact that he said, I will build my church, Jesus carried on his profession of building. He's a builder. He loves building things. If you've never built something, you should like run to Lowe's, get one of those $6 kits and put a kid's toy together. Because there's something really satisfying about building something. And, 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 you know, I've had the opportunity to build some things. Some things I've built better than others. <laughs> My wife laughs because she lives in the house that I've largely had to modify. And some things are good and some things we're working on. But, but there's something satisfying about building. And Jesus is a builder. He's still building. He's building his church. He's been building it for 2,000 years. We're part of his building. The church isn't a building, but it has a builder. The church is people. But Jesus is building people. And he groups them together. Largely geographically, because it matters, because you need the regular encouragement of being together. And my wife will talk about that in a minute. And he's working to complete it. His building's not done yet. The day will come when he'll perfect the church in the resurrection, and it'll be his treasured prize. And he said, I will build my church. He said, I'll build my church. Put the emphasis there. He's building his church. There's a lot of great causes out there. There's a lot of great organizations. There's a lot of great schools. There's a lot of great ministries. There's a lot of great things out there. The conf- and, and some of them have and will continue to do great things. But there's something so exciting about the church. And again, I'm going to tie it to this promise. I will build my church. Not even hell is going to mess up my plan here. The, the, the hordes of hell, and the, it's, it's laughable to think that any of them will take a dent into the church. The church is going to work out just fine, Jesus is saying. And so it's exciting for me to give myself to the church. It might not be flashy. 
might not have a lot of people notice. There may be zero accolades. There may be opposition to it. It doesn't matter. If you're giving yourself to the work of the church, you can't go wrong. And Jesus' promise that, that, that he'll build his church is, is notable in that it's not anything else. It's, we, I don't think we can transfer the same confidence that we have in Jesus' promise for the church to anything else but the church. So I want to give myself to it. So we feel a calling to begin the, an intentional exploration of what a church in this town would look like. Um, being what I told you before, somebody who likes to go for it, God has tempered my plans and my agendas and continues to do that, and I want to be receptive to it. And I want to be receptive to it largely because it matters to me how, how much the church matters to Jesus. If you have possessions of your own, you can treat them how you want, and if they rust out and wear out because you didn't take care of them, that's your business, and you can deal with it. But when somebody lends you something, somebody lends you something valuable to them, and it's somebody who's valuable to you, hopefully your parents taught you that you should take extra care of those things. My wife and I have friends who have a cabin who let us go to their cabin. How many of you are grateful that you have friends with a cabin? It's a wonderful gift in your life. And I always dread the last day because... My wife cleans incessantly. Like, that cabin, when we walk out, like, she's dusted right to the back, to the front door. It is perfect. And, and I'm saying this as a compliment because my wife values that somebody else who's valuable to us and values their cabin lets us use it. It's theirs. We're not going to just kind of leave it haphazardly and messy. So that last day, this woman makes sure it looks nice. And it, I'm sure it looks a lot nicer than if I was in charge of cleaning. I just do what I'm told and get out of there. Um, this is Jesus' church, and it seems that it is bizarre and wild and, and perhaps irrational as it seems. It, it seems like God's called the church to help him build the church. <laughs> We're part of the equation. We contribute to this, and it's a privilege to be entrusted by the one who means the most to us to care for and build the thing that means the most to him. And so... The thought that I've had the last few weeks has been simply this, that when we approach the church, because there is a church in the, the town of Jordan, there's a, a lot of believing people and there's, there's a few existing pockets of believers who are gathering together. And to assume that we just know God's agenda and God's uh, plan, even down to the tactical phase, is rather presumptuous. And so we, the picture I have is just putting on the white gloves. If you've ever heard the phrase, giving the white glove treatment, it's, wow, this is really important to you, I'm going to take care of it. I'm not going to be presumptuous about how to handle your church, Jesus. These are your people. They're your precious, beloved, redeemed bride. And, and we're not going to come roughshod into a town and tell everybody how it's going to be and assume they all are super excited about it. Not even just at a strategic level, but even at a theological level. These are God's people. And so we're, we're bringing our Bethany Church family into our process at this point not so that we can recruit you today and not so that we can get a lot of enthusiasm towards this, but just to actually let you be part of our process because we value this relationship deeply. And, I'm, you know, we're, we've been in dialogue with leadership here at Bethany for a while to navigate how this looks. And, and so we're, we're dedicating the next season of this process to really exploring what the church in this town looks like today, what it needs, how best to serve it intentionally without an agenda, without any 
um, ulterior motive or um, you know tactics in mind and so that's where we're going we're excited about that um, and 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 we want to honor Jesus rightly as we as we approach his existing bride as we consider how to strengthen his church and to build it going forward so I'm going to hand it over to my wife she's going to tell you a little bit more of our story as to how we got here um, yeah it's it's, it was hard to know what to share today in such a really small chunk of time when really this has been a 17-year story. When I married Ken, I knew he wanted to be, um, well, there's a lot of things Ken wanted to be, but <laughs> he was going to be a bachelor to the rapture when I, mar- or when I met him, but that didn't work out. So, um, but he's, he's, talked, <laughs> he's talked about... Capture is the joke oh, now. Oh, bachelor know? to the capture. How cute. Um, uh, anyway, um, I knew that Ken felt a call to church plant from the day we met. Uh, and we often talked about the nations and yada, yada, yada. So this, this story for us started in 1999 when Ken and I met. And, and we would share, you know, you share who you are and the calls that you feel that you have on your life. And, um, and it's just continued. And, and there's so much that could be said, but again, this ne- isn't the full venue of it now. We are going to have a Q&A afterwards, and maybe you can ask some questions about that if, it, if you're interested. But I had a dream from the Lord 15 years ago about the town of Jordan. And I've shared that with a number of people, shared that with the pastor here at the time. And I really believe that I heard the Lord in that dream. And I, I believe that he, for whatever reason has his affection on that town, and he will grow his church in that town. And over the years, I, pr- I pray more into that dream, and sometimes I'm like, if I pray into that, he's going to ask me to do something, and I don't feel like it right now. And so it's been different intensity at times, but that's always been there. What has been, when we moved to Jordan, by the way, Ken didn't mention this, we, I actually did not realize we were moving to Jordan because we actually live in the country. We're not in the town, and I didn't even know it was our zip code. We lived in Prior Lake, and we just moved five miles from where we lived, and it was after we bought the house, but we couldn't move in. We had 14 days of owning the house but not being able to move in, and so the carpets ripped out. We're walking on the floor, and I was like, hey, kids, let's write some Bible verses on the floor before carpet, new carpet is laid. We're not even living there, and as I bend my knee to do that, it hits me we just moved to Jordan. This is a Jordan area code, right? Is this a Jordan area code? And I said to Ken, is our address Jordan or is it prior? Like, he's like, it's Jordan. And I, I thought, God, you tricked me because (laughs) when we worked with all those teens, all those years, that wasn't super appealing to go live down there. That was hard, messy, hard laboring work. And I love to go home to my home and my bed. I know that sounds awful, but that's how I felt and not, not live in the town that I was laboring in. And I was like, how did you get me here, God? I'm fine living in Shakopee, Prior Lake, but he got us to Jordan. And so um, he has been on the move in that town many, many years before we ever were there, which is obvious. I mean, God's always on the move before us. He's been enthroned upon the praises of a thousand generations. I'm just so cognizant of the people that sat in these rows before us that he's always moving. There have been faithful laborers there before us. There have been church plants in that town before us. Currently, there's a YWAM team 
if you heard the story of this YWAM team and why they're there and living there. And when you think YWAMers, some of you might think they come and they go. This YWAM team actually purchased a home. They're not renting. They own a home in this town because they are committed. Ironically, it's five families with their kids living in one house. So yeah. I don't know if you can make the connection or not. But For those of you new here, that's Bethany's <laughs> church history is five families selling everything, moving into a house. And that's what this YWAM team have done. So they're laboring in the town. And you should hear, I, I wish they were here today. You should hear the reason why they chose Jordan. This was like after prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord, looking at all the towns and saying, God, here am I, send me, send me to the nations. Where do you have me? And he said, Jordan, Minnesota. When I found out they were there, I was like, do they know about my dream? Because I had a dream that God's building this church in the town. It was just crazy. I, the, anyway, so they're there. There's a Christian bookstore that used to be there 20 years ago. There's, there's, well, until last week, there were zero coffee shops. Like zero, what are they called? Trendy, um, like if they have a coffee name. Shops. No, like what is like Caribou and Starbucks called? It's coffee shop. No, yeah. <laughs> like, um, what? Okay, well, Charism is the current coffee shop. Anyway, so Jordan did, it has Burger King or it had McDonald's and that was it. What are they called? When a store. Fast food. Franchise! Thank oh. you, Sue. <laughs> Sorry. Franchise. So That's there were zero franchise coffee shops in this town of 6,000 people. That's crazy. But Caribou opened last week. Becca Hashi's working there. Awesome. Free co- <laughs> well, free coffee for her family. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, there was, there was a Christian uh, family that bought, bought this big building called Care, and they've named it Charism, and it's this Christian coffee shop there. They've been laboring there, and I think, why are you here? Why are you called here? And then I think, why are any of us called here? What is God doing? Um, there's been Bible studies and prayer groups that have met for years there, which has just been remarkable. But God has allowed us to hear of some of the hidden work um, he's done there. Um, I feel like we can't share this message without giving a little bit of background on us because y'all know us and we've, we've, yeah. We were doing a lot in 2016, us as a couple, us as a family. So go back to 2016. Ken was running a business. Ken was the interim pastor here at the church for four, probably four years. We had six children. We were just adding another child every two years. You know, you hardly catch up. Your, your body, my body physically wasn't healing, and I would, you know, have another baby, which is awesome. Super thankful for them all. Um, and then I was, I was homeschooling them, uh, which has its own intensity and its own fire. And then in the middle of that, I felt called, I thought I felt called, uh, to also direct a really large homeschool community in our area. I told you all that to say that neither one of us realized all of that was way, way too much on our plate. Now, maybe it wouldn't be too much for somebody else, but it was too much for us. And we were far more tired than we, were, than we realized. And it was taking a toll on us. It was taking a toll on our marriage. It was taking a toll on our family. But you don't realize it when you're just in it. You just keep, you know, you keep on keeping on or whatever. And so um, there, I don't know that there was a lot of rest or laughter in our home. And I would say it wasn't sustainable. So a dear friend of ours... Um, through a set of circumstances, pulled us aside and he said, this pace that you're running isn't sustainable. You need to slow down quickly. And so we received his counsel. If y'all remember, Ken uh, stepped down from preaching for a season. I, I stepped down from directing this homeschool community. And in addition, part of that was also ceasing to homeschool. Now, that, wasn't, that was a huge transition for my children. It was a huge transition for me. Uh, and it wasn't what I, my children or I wanted. However, it really did seem like it was the best thing. Now, I tell you that to say that was a hard season, but I believe God and the way he does things was actually 
closing that door so he could call us to something new. Because he knows I actually never would have, uh, uh, I don't know that we would have slowed down our own had we not had a wake-up call. So we get this wake-up call. And when I put our kids, when we put our kids in, in the school, initially I started praying like cra- the day those kids went to school. Wow. I started praying like crazy for the kids. And if and you like, know my wife, she already prays like crazy. So when she says she's praying like crazy, it's crazy, crazy. Like the kids go out the door on that first day and um, they, didn't, they got held. They got, you know, laid, laid hands on and praying. And to this day. There was tongues and fire. To, to this day, kids, what, what is the verse that I pray for you every single day before you go? Be. <laughs> what is it? It's be excellent. I, like, every day I'm like, be excellent at what is good, innocent of evil, Lord, cover them up by your spirit, let them be innocent of evil. So I'm like warring and contending, and it's because my, my treasure, I'm sending, we're sending our treasure to these schools, right? But what's interesting is I thought I was doing that for me, but God was actually anointing and appointing me. He was actually raising me up, and I didn't know that. I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but he was calling me to be an intercessor for Jordan. Because when you start to pray for your kids, then you're starting to pray for the schools, teachers, administrators. And then what happened was we realized that there were evangelical, born again, filled with the, the spirit of the Lord, evangelical, wanting to share their faith, teachers and administrators littered throughout the staff of Jordan Public Schools. And one I met pretty quickly um, was a principal. And so I meet him within the first few weeks, and I'm sitting beside him, and I said, I just want you to know I pray for you every single day. And he, well, I said five days a week. I do it Monday through Friday. The other days. <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, and he said, wow, I really, I really appreciate that. And he, seemed, he received that. He goes to, yeah, anyway, evangelical believer. Anyway, he said, are you part of that XYZ prayer group? And I said, what prayer group? He goes, the one that marches around the schools and prays all the time and fasts. And I was like, she is now. are you kidding me? There's a prayer group that does that? And he's like, yeah, they like send me emails and ask for prayer requests. I was like, where are they? He's like, I actually don't know. And I said, I will find them. And the crazy thing is they found me. Then within the next couple weeks, Amos, one of our sons, gets this invitation to a birthday party. Turns out it's a Christian family, and she invites me. The mother says, hey, I, you know, you guys are Christians, I can tell, or I don't know, somehow we shared our faith. And she goes, I want to invite you to a Bible study. And I said, sure. And she goes, it's 5 to 6 a.m. on Thursdays. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. Because that's like getting up at 420 to go to this 5 a.m. Bible study. Then she proceeds to tell me, yeah, we've been doing this for 10 years. A group of us sit at 5 a.m. We get up because there's some teachers in that group, and they have to get home and get ready to teach. They get up, and they've been contending for this town. And for the leadership of this town for years, marching around the schools in the dark so nobody knows that that's what they're doing. For years, not even all attending the same church. Like, actually, none of them attend the same church. But for years, they're doing it. And they said, Lord, you should come. And I was like, you know, just in awe. And so I've joined it. That group was the beginning. And I ended up stumbling or finding out about three other groups that are praying like that. Joined another one. The last one I met with this past Thursday they're both on Thursday. There's, the second one is at 820. It's a nicer time of the day. But I was at the 820 group, and this is what another mom in that group says as we're praying. And they pray like me. Like this one lady, <laughs> this one lady in the group, some, another family from here knows them, and the kids are like, you're a lot like Laura Krause. Like I, I just feel like I'm home when I pray with these women that are contending for this town and for their children and, and for the lost inside the sound. Anyway, 
She said, she looked at me, knowing nothing about what we're doing here today. I've shared nothing with them. I try to actually say nothing about myself. And she goes, you know, it just seems like God's doing a new thing in Jordan. And I was like, you don't say. And she said, there are so many families from our church that keep moving to Jordan. And I said, are you serious? And it's this large evangelical church that most of us know about. Are you serious? And she goes, yeah, we don't know why. Tons of families keep moving to Jordan. I was like, a number of families from our church moved to Jordan over the past few years. It seems like the Lord is doing a new thing. I could go on about FCA. I, I found out again there's a youth pastor. It seems that the, ex- the expression of the church in Jordan is um, scattered. And I know of a youth pastor from another large evangelical church. He has now made the commitment to go every Friday morning to start a discipleship group starting next week for the high schoolers in this town. We're seeing the Lord move. But here's the thing. Not everybody knows about the party. And I don't have time to tell you the stories of simultaneously of putting our kids in school. We put our kids in all the sports there. So when you put, as many of you know, when you go to sporting events, oh my gosh, the hours we've gone to. I love watching you guys, but lots of sporting (laughs) events. You just get to meet so many people, and we've met so many people that are walking in darkness. And it pains me. Their pain pains me. Um... So it honestly feels like the Lord has called us to join his harvest. I, in Jordan, I would never, ever leave Bethany, ever, uh, leave attending here on a Sunday morning unless it seemed like the Lord called us. One of my dear friends, Sarah, said, you don't just leave a church when, you, when it goes through ebbs and flows. You stick with it because it's a community of people. You stick with it through thick and thin. I have zero desire to leave here. This is my home. There is no place I feel more at home than in the sanctuary. And that's the truth. You can ask those that, that know me. I, I, I plan birthday parties for myself here. I come here on my birthday every year. I'm not kidding. I get the keys and I, well, anyway. <laughs> I worship the Lord in here. Um, I... Bethany, what's in the DNA of Bethany has been brought into the DNA of me. There's a uniqueness about Bethany. There's a uniqueness about any church, but I'm going to tell you what I see the uniqueness from my perspective. There's a sincerity and a devotion and an enduring faithfulness to this, uh, uh, that is unique to this community. I was thinking today of the tornado. Many of you know a tornado um, affected this community. It took out seven people from the Bethany community in 30, no, 60 years ago. What is it, Dan? 50 years ago. Um, And the enduring faithfulness, I think about that and I think, I would think that would fold many churches. I would think that would increase anger. And it seemed to increase love. It seemed to increase devotion. That this enduring body, Bethany is rich. And I would say to me, from my perspective, this body is rich in maturity. It's rich in um, depth. It, it, I feel like it seems like there are steaks that are continually provided from this altar that uh, this is not milk. If you come here, you will not be fed baby food. You will be fed a steak. And it's not just one person sharing a steak. There are so many people in this body that are trained theologians, and yet we come together. Perhaps God wants to reproduce that in Jordan. Perhaps that's the kind of bride he wants expressed in Jordan one of depth, one of maturity, one of enduring faithfulness. Many of you in here would give everything for the gospel, and I know it. I've heard your stories. You've been, a few of you have been in situations where you were willing to lay your life down. And the fact that there's a number of us in here, that is in the DNA of Bethany. 
is that beloved what God wants to reproduce in this hour? I believe that it is. Other churches can plant other places, but it seems, I don't know why he's highlighting this. I didn't, dreams and visions, whatever. There's so many stories. I don't know why he's highlighting Jordan, but that is my thought because Bethany's DNA is our DNA. This is where the Lord discipled Ken and I. We didn't grow up here. Some people were born here. We weren't, but it was like, this is where I got engrafted in and the discipleship that is foundational in my life is prayer, fasting, giving your life, giving everything to the Lord was foundationally created here. What if that What if that, beloved, is what he wants to produce? Fruit that remains, that when the time of trial comes, when the times of testing come, there will be a bride there that is not whimsical and not flown back and forth other ways, but she will be a strong tree planted by the streams of living water. She will be the tree that's bearing fruit. There's a river that grows through the town, the river of Jordan, and I believe it's to sustain many, not just for the town of Jordan, but also the surrounding communities there. I had a dream about this church. You've all heard it many times, and I'll close with this if the worship team wants to head up here. But um, it's Hebrews 10.25, and it says this, Don't forsake meeting together, as such is the habit of some, but do it all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. I had a dream where in that dream, I don't have time to share it all, but the Lord in the dream said, the name of Bethany Church, he actually called it the Hebrews 10.25 Church. And all over this church, when you walked in the sanctuary, it said Hebrews 10.25. Outside on the building, a big banner, Hebrews 25. Up here, Hebrews 10.25. I saw it all through my dream. People welcomed me to Hebrews 10.25. They didn't say, welcome to Bethany in the dream. They said, welcome to Hebrews 10.25. So I wake up and I say, what the heck is Hebrews 10.25? And it's, don't neglect meeting together as such is the habit of some, but do it all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. Bethany meets together. We meet together here. We've met together through thick or thin, um, through suffering, through loss, through weddings, through funerals. Bethany has continued to meet together. Kathy Brock is sitting here when I saw her walk in. I honor you, Kathy, that you've met together here. Harold has met together here for years. Harold buried a wife from a tornado. Kathy buried a son, same storm. And they continued to endure. They continued to be faithful unto the end. Don't neglect meeting together. Our instinct might be to go, things are getting tough, I'm going to pull back. But the call is to not to neglect to meet together. As such is the habit of some. But God says, do it all the more as you see the day of the Lord drawing near. I don't know when the day of the Lord's drawing near, but it's closer today than it was last week. And I believe there's a bride in Jordan that God is worthy of receiving that needs to be strengthened by the power of the Spirit. And my prayer is that as we don't neglect to meet together, they will not neglect to meet together. And that God will strengthen us by the power of the Spirit. So let's move into prayer. Father, I want to ask in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for what you've begun here and that you, head of the church, will finish that which you've started. You will have a bride for yourself on that day from all over the world, but specifically from Jordan. And I believe you're inviting us to be part of it. So, Father, I ask, God, that you would fan to flame the gifts of those in the sanctuary. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that you would breathe on those sitting here. You would breathe on us. And you would give us the endurance and the perseverance to not to neglect meeting together. Help us do it all the more. Help us refuse um, offense. Help us refuse discouragement. Help us refuse um, 
apathy. Help us do it all the more here and in this area, God. Help us do it all the more. Oh, God, would you strengthen us to the end, head of the church. You who build your church, would you strengthen us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I ask for a corporate strengthening this morning, God. I ask that you would fan into flame the gifts of everyone sitting here, God. I ask that you would breathe new life, new vision, new endurance. Those of you who are specifically suffering, God that are specifically suffering here, I want to ask for a new perseverance, a new endurance that says God will be faithful to the end, and therefore I can too. I can too, because he has been faithful to me. I will have the grace to be faithful to him unto the end. Thank you, God. Would you spread your spirit around here? Will you bless us? Will you fill us with your spirit? In Jesus' name. So I'll stand up. We're just going to close with uh, the last song.